for the moment that you've all been waiting for. It's the ass kickers of the apocalypse, the pain bringers of the pandemic from the land of the rising sun to just north of the border. Strong style meets street style on this very podcast. With the Saitama Saint, the Osaka Superstar, the Mad Titan of Tokyo, the American Kaiju, and he's the hombre with no nombre, Mi hermano from another mamo. He's the world's greatest Rudo. El numero uno. And that's right. You're listening to two of the three Hogsmen. It's Monday night, May the 4th. And you are listening to Southern California's numero uno pro wrestling themed podcast. We're not the first to do it. We just do it that much goddamn better. And we're being, being brought to you by uh, Ten Barrel Brewing Pub Beer. Shout out to Pub Beer, Cheap Fun Beer. What's up? Guys, what's going on? How was the weekend? What's new? Weekend Devin, was amazing. Weekend was amazing. Drank a lot of beer, ate a lot of meat. Had some meat, finally. So that was, uh, that was I had some burgers. I had some dogs. I had some chicken. Uh, that's clean, healthy eating for a body guy right there. Nice, nice. Hunter, how are you looking? Uh, you know, another day forward, did a little yard work this weekend, uh, cut some firewood for some friends. I'm uh, just trying to get my shit together and not lose my mind. Still and working. I see, uh, Hunter's going into business for himself right now, trying <laughs> to get that 10 barrel sponsorship. Yes. Hey, Hunter's hot take, uh, Joe IPA, uh, very delicious. It says down here on the bottom, it says, uh, hop forward and citrusy. So I, I want to point that out. That's just for Devin right there. Thanks, and bro. And uh, I like the design here on this can, Timber. That's pretty badass. If, if you've never yeah. seen it on this, it's a, a guy living out of a camper home out of the back of his truck. Oh, man. Brings back memories, huh? I, I can relate to that 100%. So, uh, you know, good job, Timber. Going in that's the Hunter's hot take. <clears throat> I'll be quiet the rest of the podcast now. <laughs> good to have you back, Hunter. Uh. Yeah, the this weekend uh, for me was pretty. Every day is like a Sunday. Every every day of this calendar year right now, it just should say Sunday, 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 Sunday. It's Groundhog's Day. It's all over the same. It's the same thing every single day. But I'm all up in this uh, this documentary, The Last Dance, about Michael Jordan. Dev, you got to cut you caught that at all? I'm still avoiding that. Oh, it's so good, man. So last night's episode, they were talking about uh, his gambling, his gambling problem. I'm oh, you told me about this. Air quotes. And uh, I mean, Dev, talk to me here. Is it really a gambling problem? Do you have a gambling problem if you've got the money to support that problem? Yes. <laughs> Tell me, how, how can you have that gambling problem if, if you have the money to fund it? Uh, I mean, it's still it's still an, like you could have a smoking problem and still have the lungs to support the cigarettes. <laughs> like at some point that shit's going to start hurting. Uh, no, I disagree. A yeah. smoking problem will physically hurt your body and it will deteriorate your body. Mm. Uh, Michael Jordan had the bank account to support a, uh, a large gambling habit and uh, the money kept coming in. It's still coming in to this day. I think if you've got that kind of money, then it, it's just a hobby. Gamble, losing money is a hobby for you. And that is how he uh, describes it on this uh, this documentary. But it was funny. So back in the day when I used to work the nightclub security in PB, 
uh, there was a bar across the street from where I worked and it was called Tavern at the Beach. Tavern. And one, Hunter, way to cut in real quick for there. Uh, Tavern at the Beach. Uh, and once a, like once a year, he would be over there. He's, his wife somehow knew the owner of Tavern's uh, owner's wife and he would show up once a year. And you knew when he was in there because the place would just be insane. You know, there are people, hundreds of people outside trying to get in, all that kind of stuff. And I knew uh, a lot of the employees that worked there. And I was talking to a few of the, uh, the door guys. And I'm like, How's, how is it when, uh, when Jordan comes in? And they're like, he's cool as hell. Doesn't walk around with security. He walks around by himself. And he'll play pool with anybody. Play, play pool with anybody. Guess what needs to be on the table, though? Money. 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 <laughs> and they say it doesn't matter if it's five bucks. He has to have, there has to be a competition to it. And dude, could you imagine that, Dev? You walk into a, a, a bar and you're, you have the opportunity to play pool against Michael Jordan for a little bit of cash. Oh, I'm in it. I'm in it to win it, bro. I, I, I'm not a rich man, but I'd put 200 on the table just because what if, man? What if? <laughs> But yeah, this documentary is sick, dude. It's such a good documentary. I suggest you guys get into it. Shoot or shoot, huh, Camden? You're, I'm shooting, baby. Put that money down. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a, I'm not a shark or anything at a pool, but man, what, what if you just, the, just the story alone is worth two hundred dollars? No, I've seen you, you play pool. Like, you're, you're not a shark. No, I 100 percent completely agree with it, though. No, I do. Hey. It. But I just think about all the famous people that roll through PB, though. That's the way that you just said Michael Jordan goes to there. There's a lot of people that I've heard that walk the streets of that place. Anyway. You guys you guys are burying the lead here. Mike shaved his beard pretty pretty uh, low there. It's, it's this, the shortest I've ever seen his beard. I've got a celebrity lookalike for you now, Mike. Who's that? Jason Lee with a beard. Jason Lee of uh from Mallrats? Mallrats fame. Uh yeah, he's in a lot of Kevin Smith movies. He's former uh former skateboarder. Stereo skateboard got... founder. Come on. That's that's right. But you got red hair, but you look like Jason Lee right now if he had uh a red so. beard. A short Yeah, I, I think, think so, so, man. Take a look. Hey, Ted, we're going to do a side by side for the uh social media accounts, right? Thank you. Isn't that uh, the guy that plays uh, my name is Earl? Wasn't he yeah, sure. That's the, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's, that guy that's too. not. That's not a compliment, Mike. You should be very ashamed of yourself of yeah. Devin saying that. Yeah, uh, well, you know, it's it's bad enough. I have to tag with the motherfucker. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, you 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 trimmed up the the mustache last week, so I thought I would. Uh, I did partake in the uh, the trimming because I, I I'm pretty sure by the time we get back to wrestling. I could look like ZZ Top if I wanted. Oh, to. Oh, for because... sure. I mean, after after Borden said. Uh, you know, we're probably not going to be wrestling until at least October, end of the year. I, you know, the leg hairs are growing back out. My chest hair is going to be, you know, like Rapunzel when we're done with this thing. And Dude, uh, <laughs> the 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 thickness is real right now. I think I've put on at least ten pounds. I'm trying Good. to fight it, but there's no Body real guy. point of fighting it. Uh, you know, every day I'm just it's the same day over and over. <laughs> I go out in my garage, I work out for a couple hours, I come home, or I come back upstairs, walk the dogs, and then it's like, okay, let's, it's, it's dinner time now. Yeah. It's, it's week eight of this quarantine, and uh, man, I, 
I'm starting to wonder, like, okay, go ahead. You have something to say right now. I have something to say. Big news. The Hogs in uh, in Promo Mania beat Warhorse in advance in round one to round that two. That we did. That, that we did. We did. Uh, I don't know how much we won by. I know towards the end there that uh, it was pretty close. Um, but I think uh, I think I think the Danhausen victory was a little cleaner. But the one versus Warhorse, <laughs> I think his his fans came out uh, in drones. So I have, I have a question on the promo. Yeah. Let's hear it. So I watched it. Great promo, by the way, guys. Proud of you both. Uh, oh. I might have to talk to Juan, though, on his editing skills. You're, <laughs> you're, you're not taller than Mike. And in that video, you look like you're taller than Mike in there. Oh, I'm much taller than Mike. I can't, I can't have that. Mike, you, for should, those you, should that, be, you should be pissed off about that. For those of you that are only listening, I'm about six foot six. Mike is about <laughs> yeah. six I, foot uh, I, I didn't even notice that when I, when I watched it. Made so tall. <laughs> you know why? Because Mike is always in my shadow. So it's uh, it's it's not news for him when you see something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a good promo though from uh, from both of you guys. I really liked it. Thanks. Uh, on both let's, ends. let's let's air some of that again. But uh, dude, yeah, that was a tough one because Mike is obviously there, and I'm here during quarantine with a <laughs> with a green screen. Mike's like. All right, I'm ready to go. I'm gonna cut my promo, and then you just cut some stuff, and we'll we'll clip it together. <laughs> so Mike got his first. He had some good stuff, and then I was like, "Oh, uh, you got to change this line. Oh, you got to change that line. I got something that'll work here." So Mike had to go back to the well four or five times <laughs> at different times of the day and the next day to clean up his act, <laughs> clean up our act. I and then I just you know did Mr. my Four, thing here, Mister Fifty Four Takes, man. That's uh, that's what Mr. they call 50, me. No, that was the solo promo. The, the tag promo I got out pretty clean. Now, now, who came up with the idea of the uh, of uh, of doing this? That was your boy right here. Your boy right here. Yeah, there you go. that's what I'm talking I had, about. I had to go hard, man. I had to yeah. go hard on the promo. Talk you went hard me. in the paint. Right, now, <laughs> man. Now I know round two is coming up, so I I know who we're facing for round two. Um, I, I we got. I sent you the email. I, saw I don't know it, if we I can. Can't I, I can't remember. Either. Well, I know who I'm facing solo. So the American Kaiju advanced on his own, and then the Hogsman advanced. We're in the quarterfinals. So if we win again, both of us, we could either be in the semifinals facing each other, or we could go. It, it could be us in the finals, too. Who knows? I, I mean, kayfabe hey, that. I don't know how much we're supposed to say about this, but I think that he's got you on separate sides of the bracket. Just from what I'm Ooh. looking at here, I honestly think it could be the American Kaiju versus the Hogsman in the final. Um, but that's so gonna... I haven't seen the bracket. Can well, you tell me what the well, bracket is? I, I, again, I'm just guessing. This is pure speculate, pure speculation. But the okay. book, the Booker in me knows that if I were going to list things in this way that it's been listed, that it would still be one will face three and two will face four if I'm doing, hmm. if, you're, if you're looking at a quarterfinal to me. Can you read off what's what's been posted there? Or is this something that I said to us in our yeah, chat? Yeah, this is, yeah. I don't think we're supposed to lay this one okay. out. We'll let, them, uh, we'll let them drop it. Needless to say, uh, pretty pretty decent competition. Okay, so uh, for all of our listeners out there and subscribers uh, who've been enjoying the podcast, <clears throat> keep keep uh, keep following me on Twitter at Devin Sparks. Keep following uh, Mike as well. Mike, what's yours? 
Uh, Twitter, uh, Mike Camden 82. Okay, because that's where we'll be posting the information for Promo Mania, who our opponents are, when our prom- when our when our promos come out, and make sure that you vote. Uh, you can vote online on YouTube, or you can vote on I think it's Coffee Kofi kofi.com or something like that and you I, I don't know i'm not i thought this was supposed to be on twitch <laughs> i was told it was going to be on twitch and now it's on coffee <laughs> so uh you tip to the the who you think uh had the better promo you tip to win so a dollar uh one vote is one dollar you, you tip five bucks it's it's five votes so whoever we're facing we need to advance could we see the great finger poke of doom if it's Devin Sparks versus Versus the Hogsman. I mean, if, if it's, it's the Hogsman versus the American Kaiju, we'll see the finger poke of doom at some point. And here's the best part is I'll know what I'm saying as a solo act and what the tag team is saying. So I could just retaliate and just tear Mike a new one. Or maybe <laughs> have you ever seen Scott Pilgrim versus the world? I love that movie. It's one of my favorite movies. It's so underrated. And at the end, Scott has to fight Nega Scott. <laughs> And he's just like a emo, darker version of himself. And that's how I see this thing playing out. Is the Hogsman uh, with you get you know uh, an American kaiju with inverted colors? That's all it's gonna be. <laughs> but yeah, man, promo me. That was uh, it's pretty cool. I I hope it gets some some more traction. It had some big names involved in it, so I'm hoping it gets some good traction and uh, we have decent shots of of winning this thing. So I'm excited. Yeah. What else is going on in life right now? Well, I was going to say Dev should put over the uh, pro wrestling tees for the Hogsman because I had somebody uh, message me the other day about a damn T-shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And first of all, big mistake. As everyone knows, he is not a Hogsman. Yeah. uh, By the way, Hunter, great job of just uh, not like – forwarding the information like oh hey it's on it's on devin sparks is uh pro wrestling tees hold on what let me wait till monday night and i'll ask him and then uh you know maybe you'll listen to the to the podcast and you'll get the information you need (laughs) thanks thanks hunter no man the guy messaged me out of nowhere on messenger and he said how do i get a hogsman t-shirt i told him i said go to devin sparks pro wrestling tees and then i had to call devin i was like I'm, i don't think there's a hogsman pro wrestling tees. i'm pretty sure it's not yet devin. so, so we, I, we I, made I called it devin and i was like is it on yours i got people messaging me about a fucking hogsman shirt i'm not even a fucking hogsman i got pissed off <laughs> so i think uh i think Gabe ended up buying one. I think that's who it was when I saw the uh, receipt on Pro Wrestling Tees. So we did sell a Hogsman shirt recently, and that's how I know. Because I think you had said that he saw Gabe wearing it, right? Yeah. So Thanks, Gabe. It, thanks, Gabe. I didn't, I, hadn't, I didn't notice that for some reason. And then when I looked, there it was. So go to the uh, <laughs> Pro Wrestling Tees uh, slash American Kaiju. Pick up a Hogsman shirt. Camden, is it up on yours yet? I gave you the file for it. Uh, no, actually, I, I, I tried looking for it, but I couldn't find it, but whatever. We're mm. basically Scrooge McDuck. We've got one shirt sold. <laughs> We're filthy fucking rich. Uh, go ahead and bury us, Ted. Oh, yeah! God damn it. You're supposed to kayfabe some things. What <laughs> else, up? uh... What else is going on in this crazy wrestling world? Oh, uh, um, let's talk about, uh... I just jumped... My boy Kane... My boy Kane Velasquez got released by WWE. 
Oh, man. I thought he was going to make it through the cuts. Man, I thought that all that training, hard work I put into him, and uh, yeah, he gets released. Hey, you went alone, dickhead. I was there too. Yeah, but I'm the one that actually had a match with him. You did. Yeah, I wasn't going to get in there with him. <laughs> so, but, Mike, uh, that get was... this. So, at this currently at this trajectory, you've lost Kane Velasquez a job, and you're training Rey Mysterio's kid. So, yeah. what's going to happen to him? Ah, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Probably won't ever get a look, huh? I don't know. But my wife actually uh, just came home with a uh, a pinata. We're having a uh, Cinco de Mayo little party with my neighbors tomorrow. She she was like, hey, I got this uh, Lucha guy pinata. I'm like, okay, cool. She comes home, breaks it out, and I go, I think that's fucking Rey Mysterio. <laughs> All right. I got a Rey Mysterio fucking pinata for tomorrow. So I got that going for me in life. Pretty stoked hey, send on that. It, send it down and get it signed and bring it back. I'm going to chair shot that motherfucker tomorrow. I got a chair. I'm going to, I'm going to hang it and just give it a goddamn chair shot. Fuck the, the stick. I'll, I'll, I got a chair. I got a chair down there I can use. We'll record it and send it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Put that uh, up on the, Hey, put that up on the, uh, Hogsman social accounts. <laughs> but anyways, Hey Dev. What's up again? We've got a, uh, a guest on tonight. He, I don't know if is this intentional booking because I did not put two and two together. I did not intend for this. Today is May the fourth. It's Star Wars Day technically, and we have a huge Star Wars fan on as our guest. His name's Yuma, formerly known as Johnny Yuma, and he's of the tag team Rockness Monsters. And uh, I, I just, I did not even notice it until I woke up today. Uh uh-uh. uh no, he so, hit me up. Great. He hit me up. Yeah, he hit me up last week or, or maybe the week before, and he goes, hey, May the 4th. He's like, that's when we're recording? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's sick. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I totally spaced it. But uh, yeah, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Mike's a, a Star Wars fan, and Yuma's a massive Star... Yuma's probably the biggest Star Wars fan I know. Yeah, so, big. Uh, and I'm, resting the, I'm, I'm repping the uh, Chewbacca shirt. I got the matching uh, red, white, and blue Vader shirt going on here for Star Wars Day. Sweet. So uh, should we get to our guest, or we got anything else we should uh, talk about? All right, sounds good. Let's bring him on. And we're back. It's May the 4th. Dev, excellent booking by you. You got the pen on this. Introduce our guest. Great booking. Go ahead. You've literally seen him all over the world. Um, he's wrestled, uh, oh, geez, he's been around for over a decade. He's wrestled all over California. You've seen him in Japan. You've seen him in China. You've seen him all over the U S <laughs> you've seen him. Uh, you've done stuff for the WWE. You've done stuff for TNA. I don't know if they were impact or TNA at the time. <laughs> yeah. I think you've done stuff for ring of honor. Maybe I thought I saw you. You've done stuff for ring of honor. Uh, you've done stuff for PWG and most recently, uh, you're well known over at Bar Wrestling. Um, this man needs no introduction, but here I am anyway. Please welcome Yuma to the podcast today. What's up, guys? Thank you for having me. Thanks, you man. I, pre- I, I really appreciate it. And I was talking to Dev earlier, and I was like, "Dude, did you guys play?" I didn't wait. I didn't realize it till this morning. I was like, "Wait a minute! It's May the fourth, and we got Yuma on. We couldn't have a better guest." Chris Terry, he's jealous right now. <laughs> But man, welcome! It's 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 the Star Wars day. 
How's everything going? How's your quarantine? What's new, dude? Um, you know, it's quarantine's been not that bad for me. I've always been someone who enjoys being home, uh, just as much as being out, if not more. Um, you know, I'm always working on stuff at the house. All the writing I've ever done is just here at the house. Uh, I have my toys that I always, you know, take photos of and, you know, work on my shelves. And now I'm, ma- I'm making toys again. I had to take a little break uh, from that, but I'm back into it with more stuff than ever. I'm working on a couple of really big projects with Chris Terry. Um, so I'm, I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun. I get to hang out with my wife. I get to hang out with my son. I would say the only thing I miss is, is wrestling and uh, some heavy weight. Cause these little dumbbells ain't doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Uh, Yuma, I'm down 14 pounds. How are you doing on the weight department? I don't want to look because I've been doing, so I never do cardio. I've never been a cardio guy. Once I got the fat off in 2010, I was like, I, I just didn't really do cardio again. I did for a while in 2012 when I lived in the SoCal pro house with Rennie and, uh, Duke and all of them. Uh, I do cardio every morning with Renee, but, uh, Honestly, since then, like never do cardio, even like at my leanest, I was lean from my diet and my heavy lifting. I just didn't do cardio and there's nothing to do because these dumbbell workouts ain't, ain't shit. And so I've been doing cardio and I'm pretty sure like I've probably, if I've lost anything, it's muscle. That's for sure. Yep. That's for sure. But I'm afraid to hop on the scale because I'd been, my weight had been going up and down a lot. I was starting to get back into really good shape. Um, in August, and then I wrestled at the uh, uh, Camden was there in uh, the Lucha Expo, and um, I dislocated my right shoulder, and um, and like right then, like I was like really really moving and grooving in the gym again, and and then I dislocated my shoulder, and I couldn't press like at all. I could still pull okay, but I couldn't press very well for months, and it healed wrong. So I've just been lifting, you know wrong or just with it my shoulder's not in place it's out it just healed wrong so everything got weaker and weaker so i, I don't know it just it sucks i was really moving and i got slowed down and then right as i picked up again the gym's closed so <laughs> is, uh yuma is that the same shoulder because you you'd separated your shoulder uh prior to that at championship right when peter peter avalon decided to shoot on you <laughs> yeah, Peter. Peter got cut up with me. Peter in 2015. Peter said, "You know what? I'm getting signed. I'm 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 gonna take this dude out before I do that." Uh, no, that was actually the left shoulder. He gave me a, a low sliding flatliner, uh, Scott Loss style, and that was on a Sunday because Hollywood's always on a Sunday. And I used to hit heavy shoulders on Fridays, and I would do a lot of front raises, a lot of front tension stuff, and I never worked on my rear delts except for when they were secondary on a on a row or anything like that. So I had nothing really holding it back here. So when the impact of my elbow hit here, there was no muscle working for me on the backside, and it just came right out. And remember, that was the that. left one. That was brutal. That, that sucked. But I actually already – I had a minor dislocation on the right in 2009 – uh, from a, I was told it would be a face bump and it ended up being a straight up and down like spike. And I dislocated it partially. And the doctor said, you know, we got to remove it all the way to put it back correctly. We can't put it back from where it's from. And I literally threw up the peace sign and said, I'm out of here. You're not pulling it out the rest of the way. And so that didn't heal right. And so when it came out in August, honestly, I wasn't shocked. I'm, I was shocked that it took 10 years to come out all the way or further. Uh, I was shocked it took so long, but I knew one day it was just going to finish coming out. <laughs> Man, you played it off because I couldn't tell you were injured that night when we saw you in, in August. What was uh, it? Yeah. 
Uh, so, okay, so we're wrestling Los Luchas, probably one of our favorite all-time teams to wrestle. They're, they're the absolute best. And um, Zokre did a springboard uh, clothesline, like nothing fancy. And instead of just standing there, I was like, ah, you know, I'm a, he's coming from high because he always jumps super high. I was like, I'm going to catch him a little more. So I put my arm out like that. And when he hit me, I twisted all the way like that. My elbow came – my shoulder came out of the socket forward, hit me in the temple and knocked me out. Oh my God. And the back and forth of it pinched something in my, uh, in between my shoulder blades and my left leg went completely numb. So I lost, I lost all feeling in my leg. I couldn't see because I was like knocked out. I saw the, you know, the flash, but it didn't go away. So I was seeing all white. I couldn't feel my leg and my shoulder immediately hurt like hell. And I was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like that match was important for us. You know, our, our opportunities have kind of come and gone and they don't come as often. And, you know, having a lot of triple a guys there to try to impress, uh, you know, we wanted to have the best match we could. And so, you know, right when things were picking up, I feel my shoulder come out. I feel my leg disappear. And you can even see Phoenix star picks me up and goes to whip me to the corner. And you could just see me saying, I can't walk. I can't walk. I can't walk. I can't walk. And he just kind of like through his mask, you can only see his teeth. And he just went, what? <laughs> and then <laughs> and he, ends up, he ends up whipping me to the corner and you see me just hot. Like I, I get there, but you could tell something's a little off. And then I'm supposed to like get up on the metal rust. Something was supposed and it just didn't work. And then so like, but it, it didn't look as bad watching it back as it felt. But in the moment I was like, oh, I'm, I probably look like I've never wrestled a day in my life. So that, that one was scary. Like, and I didn't know what to do. I just started spraying uh, biofreeze like all over my back when I got to the back. If you watch the end of the match, um, BHK is still in there. I'm gone. You see me just leaving. Like the, ma- the bell rings. I roll out after taking the cover and I just leave. And like they're all still – all this stuff's going on. And I'm just like trying to get <laughs> out of there. And uh, Vampiro was trying to talk to me and I walked right by him because I didn't I, – I was just – I was losing my mind. I was like, I because I had a cage match the next day against Reno Scum. Jesus. Like, a like six month long story coming to a head at the Red Carpet Rumble, one of Hollywood's biggest shows. We've got this big three segment cage match, and my shoulder's not inside my body anymore, and I can't feel my leg. Yikes. Uh, Yuma, you brought up something earlier that I, I completely forgot about. Uh, it was before my times, but I remember hearing about it. It's uh, the SoCal Pro House. Oh yeah! Tell me, tell, give the give the uh, the listeners pull the curtain back a little bit. What what was up with that house? So the SoCal Pro House was probably the one of the most fun and insane times of my life. Uh, my family had actually uh, lost our house, and um, I had lived there since 1990. This was 2012. Uh, you know, I'd found out that we were going to be losing the house and Anita, my wife, then girlfriend was living with me. And I was like, what are we going to do? And I was, I was like, I don't, you know, I was only wrestling at the time. She worked at a restaurant in Mission Valley. And I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. And then we were like, well, Nick Lovin has a house. He's got that house in Solana beach. And, but then we were like, yeah, the rooms are all full. And they were like, well, Eddie Randall just moved into uh, the workshop in the back. And I was like, huh, 
let's and Nick was like, come swing by. If you come look at the space, if you can figure something out, you know, of course you guys are welcome, you know? So we go over there now, Nick Lovin, AKA Beasley, which is actually he's AKA Nick Lovin. Um, <laughs> he, he inherited this gorgeous old beach home in Solana beach at the top of the hill. It was worth it. You know, it was worth like 1.5 million, just gold. It's just an older home. You know, he, he didn't take too good a care of it, but it was still great. And his grandma was a world champion basket weaver. She, someone described, <laughs> someone described her to Nick as the Hulk Hogan of basket weaving. So she was big time and she had an entire workshop in the backyard. And so this big workshop that's literally like apartment sized, you know, it's long, it's one floor, it's two thirds workspace, one third tool room. And Eddie Randall had just moved in. And I said, Hey, Eddie Randall, my girlfriend and I need to move in. I will pay your rent and do all the work of building the wall between us. If you move into the smaller one third, so my other human and I can have. <laughs> and Randall said, no. Nah. And I said, <laughs> brother, we're kind of going through it right now. You, sh- you sure? I'm going to pay your rent. I'll build the wall between us. I'll help you clean out the tool room. Cause there was a fat, there was a workbench in there. There was a sink. There was like all kinds of stuff. And he just went, nah, I got here first. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, to handle. I was like, exactly. Too hot to handle. I was like, all right, bro. <laughs> if it's like that, it's like that. So my, my girlfriend, Anita, uh, moved into the eight by 11 tool room, basically a prison cell. We built a wall, a soundproof we, we shut the opening between us and Randall. So Randall had this giant space all to himself. And Anita and I were living in basically a glorified hallway. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? It was fun, man. Uh, you know, like I said, Renee and I, we did cardio. Uh, we always got up first. We did cardio every morning at 7. We would watch uh, 45 minutes of a pay-per-view because at the time I still had my really, really big tape collection. Uh, every morning he would ride the bike. I would walk on the treadmill. Uh, we would go our separate ways. Gradually, Big Duke would wake up. Eddie Randall would wake up. Nick Lovin would wake up. Uh, Finn lived there. Now, Finn, we didn't know. That was one of Nick Lovin's friends. But Finn ended up living with us after. We lived with Finn for a long time. He's a great guy. But I met him moving in there. But it was great. We'd do cardio, go our separate ways, have breakfast, whatever. Anita might go to work. And then we would all go to the gym. All of us, even stupid Nick, we would drag his skinny ass to the gym. <laughs> and, and I tell you what, man, Nick would work hard. If the less people that were there, the harder Nick would work. You know, once it was all of us, we'd be screwing around. But the best part was Duke would not lift with us. <laughs> he was Duke was so embarrassed of how just dumb and stupid we looked. I'd be lifting, in, I would be lifting in moccasins. You know, Randall, Randall would have like, like he had like a Walkman or something. I just remember he had something weird with him. And then, you know, Nick Lovin just looks like Nick Lovin. So Duke would go do his cardio while we lifted and he would go back and lift later, like without us sometimes. Or he would just be like, what are you guys hitting today? And we'd be like, oh, legs. He's like, all right, I'm doing back. And then he would just, <laughs> we'd all finish at the same time. We would go straight to the Vons. We'd buy a bunch of meat and then we would grill and just party. Every single day. And, you know, and then on the days we had shows, we would all roll together uh, training. I was a trainer at SoCal Pro at the time. So we would just fill the car and, you know, I would go teach and and then we'd go back to the house, party, 
wake up, do it again. It was, it was some of the most fun I've ever had. Mm. Um, so your, your start, right? You, you started at UPW. Am I correct on that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was you and Ricky Mandel. So I, um, after high school, I moved to UPW. They weren't what they used to be. They had already kind of, you know, fallen from grace somewhat, uh, both independently and in their connection to the WWE. Um, and, uh, when I went there, the first friend in wrestling I made was Ricky Mandel. He had already been there for about a year. So he was like, you know, he was doing good. He was already like having matches out in Arizona. Um, and I was brand, brand new and I didn't know anything. And we just clicked like right away. Um, you know, we, we became immediate friends and, um, you know, and I trained with him for about eight months. I was only at UPW for nine months and then I was about to get evicted and I was having a hard time living alone. And so I moved back home. Um, I, yeah, I was only at UPW for like nine months, but I learned a lot. <laughs> now from UPW, did that roll into SoCal Pro? Uh, no, well, sort of actually. Yes. Um, so I had moved back home and given up on wrestling and I just got fat. Like I got a girlfriend, I got fat. I was just, you know, riding bikes with my friends. I had a good job getting fat. Um, uh, just getting fat. <laughs> Legit. I, moved, I moved home in September of 06 <clears throat> weighing, um, I, I think I'd gotten up to like 150, which was big for me. Cause when I started UPW, I was a hundred pounds. Um, Jesus shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I was about a hundred pounds when I moved out. By the time school started in January, I was probably closer to like one thirty. When I left, I was about one fifty. So, because I was eating and lifting, trying to be a wrestler, and then I moved back home, and I just got super fat and uh, I'd given up. And then Ricky hit me up on MySpace out of nowhere, like a year later, and he's like, "Hey, um, you know, I don't know if you're still into pro wrestling at all, but there's a school opening in San Diego." And I was like really he's like yeah yeah yeah. it's gonna be the head coach is gonna be b-boy and i was like what the hell hell yeah i'm gonna go so he sent me the link i looked into it um and and that was new wave pro wrestling Mm uh i i talked to the guys uh on the thing and they're like yeah you know uh b-boy won't be there saturday but just come through and check it out and meet and let's chat so i go and i meet andy jassic who i love you know he and i have been stayed close this entire my entire career um, I was happy to really happy to give him an opportunity at Hollywood as the uh, uh, one of the lead commentators. That was really that was fun for me because it was like a chance to thank him. By the way, Yuma, great booking on that one. It, it sucks. He had to he he had to go. Uh, real life got in the way, and he had to stop. <laughs> ah, but he was so good at it, man. He, he's a, he's a great talker. One of the best, man. I, I was always like, I, and I, honestly, I really liked wrestling Andy too. You know, Andy and Trevor were a lot of fun to wrestle. But so I get there, and then I see this this white dude in an ICP shirt. He's like, "Hey, I'm Andy. I don't know if B Boy's ever going to show up." And I was like, "What?" Uh, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on. He's not back from the East Coast yet." So whatever, I say, "What's up?" And then he's like, "This is our schedule." And I was like, "All right, I want to train here." So I started training there. <laughs> Benny never came once. <laughs> not once. Not I once. That. But it was great still because uh, I learned a lot from SoCal Crazy. I learned a lot of new Lucha stuff. At UPW, I learned a lot of Lucha because the Ballards were originally trained purely Lucha. They were brought up completely Lucha in the Anaheim area. Um, and so they um, they taught me some, but you know, SoCal Crazy had taught me so much more. But really that ring was less learning how to do things and more how to remember what I was taught already. You know, I was like leaps and bounds above everybody there, except for maybe uh, Danny, 
who was just a natural, you know, I was like, Oh, as soon as I got there, I was like, man, fuck this guy. <laughs> Are we talking, uh, is that, is that Ellis you're talking about? Yeah. yeah Rick Ellis. I, was, I was like, I was like, man, I was like, this guy's really cool. And he's like better than me already. And he's like a backyard. I was like, this sucks. I was all trained and spent a bunch of money. This dude bought a ring and he's way, way better than me. And, but me and Dan, me and Danny became immediate friends too, you know? Uh, Deb, did you do the, any of the new wave stuff? Were you, yeah, uh, I, did. I was, I was there, um, almost from the beginning. And I remember, remember the same thing, seeing Danny be like this motherfucker. <laughs> like it was just- I've, I've told you this in the past, uh, Dev, that I've watched old footage of Ellis and man, that guy could go back in the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, his <clears throat> younger footage, like I'm watching it like, holy shit. Ellis was a madman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, the, he the sky was the limit for, and you know, probably still is. <laughs> I know he's banged up, but shit, you know, yeah. guys have come back from worse. You know, I'm glad he's a family man. I'm really glad he puts them first. Um, you know, I'm a family man too, and I always admire that. But man, Danny, Danny was fun as hell to wrestle, mm-hmm. and he was good. He, he had so much potential, and I and I hope I hope I hope he's not done. Honestly, yeah, um, I don't think he is. I don't think he is. But I just remembered so. Before I went to New Wave for the first day, I went to SoCal Pro to see a show with my girlfriend at the time uh, because I saw that Ricky and Good Time were on it. I, I met Good Time at UPW maybe a couple weeks after I met Ricky. And, you know, and then I went and saw him wrestle at a UPW light show and he blew me away. Like my tag team partner and best friend for now, I don't know, over 10 years, like, I was a mark for him first. I met him at the school and at the very first UPW show I helped out at, he was in some like four way match or something. And he was just going off. And I was like, this dude rules. I was like, that's a guy that was super nice to me at class because I was having a really, really hard time uh, getting thrown out of the ring. We were doing a drill where you had to run, hop in uh, like duck one and then take something and go through the middle. And I just couldn't do it. And like, I was like super discouraged and like some of the guys were being assholes. And then Kevin was just like, Hey, you'll get it. And I was like, Oh, thanks guy. <laughs> and that was, it. <laughs> he was just, he was just nice. Like so many people in wrestling are like, they're not even like civil sometimes. And just so for someone to be nice, like right away that early was super dope. And then I saw there were they, that him and Ricky were both on a SoCal pro show in Vista. And sure enough, I see Mr. Devin Sparks wrestling in a three-way match against one of my best friends, big nasty Eric Watts and (laughs) paranoia (laughs) paranoia swinging a chain. And all I'm looking at is the fact that Devin had the best gear on the show. This this dude had these pink tights with clean logos. He had these Nikes that match these like kick pads. I was like, oh man, this, this okay, this guy must be somebody. Like he must be somebody from somewhere. That was immediate my immediate thought. And then he was the shits. <laughs> Devin, Devin may not have the best match on the card, but he's gonna have the best gear. Hey, that I was telling about his new red tights too, man. Those are pretty oh, clean, Devin. Those are clean, you, man. You see that high waisted Kylo Ren style? I love it, man. Fuck it. Bring them up. Up to I'm the nipples. I will. I don't think anyone's bringing them to the nipples anymore, so I will. Mm-mm. No, you'll definitely stand out. But yeah, so that, <laughs> that, that first SoCal Pro show I went to, um, I didn't help with the ring or anything. Like, I bought a ticket. I just wanted to see Ricky again. 
And, you know, and what was funny is good time. Kevin came up to me and he was like, Hey, I know you. And I looked way different. I was, again, I was super fat. I had like long blonde hair at that point. And he, but he recognized me. He's like, what the heck are you doing here? And I was like, Oh, I'm you know going to start training again. And again, Kevin was super nice and supportive. Like I saw him that day. I saw Ricky. I saw Eric and Devin for the first time. And then I also saw Hector Canales. He was on the card and I trained with him at UPW as well. So that was kind of like a weird, like seeing people again and seeing people that like for the first time that it's crazy. Now I've known them for 13 years, you know, it's, it's weird. That was a weird day. I look back on that day. Oh, and I had that edge uh, sex and violence shirt on that has blood and nut all over it. <laughs> what, uh, you, but what year is that, that you think you were, that was that first SoCal pro show that you saw? What, what, what it was, uh, it was September 07. Oh seven, man. That's and I debuted at New Wave in November, so I started literally the next like Tuesday. That show was a Saturday. I started at New Wave on like a Tuesday, and then somebody got hurt on their big return show in November. Um, somebody had gotten hurt, and so because I had come up with a gimmick at class, um, they're like, "Well, this kid's got an idea at least." And they're like, are, "Are you ready?" And I was just like, "I was not," uh, and I just was like, "Yeah." Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And, then they, <laughs> and they gave me a tag partner. And I'm sure you all remember my tag partner. I don't. So I at, don't. Class, at class, Andy and Trevor, anchors away, uh, they were just like, hey, all right, everyone tonight, pick a gimmick and stick with it all night. Never break kayfabe, okay? Just get used to doing things as something. So when you punch, punch like your character would. When you yell, yell like your character would. When you're hurt, be hurt. I had the blonde hair, so I was just like, hey, yeah, just dumb surfer crap. And, um, and it stuck. They're like, dude, that was good. Cause I did it all night. And then they ended up needing me. And then they're like, we're going to put you with Disney. So I'm sure I see the faces. <laughs> I know y'all know Disney. I love it. Cause this is a podcast medium for the most part. So no one sees the reaction. Oh, of that's four true. People just, <laughs> no, I mean, we do it on video too. We do it on YouTube too. But... <laughs> Everyone just bumped. My first tag partner, I was Johnny Mahalo. Um, and I actually got my, <laughs> I got my name. I got my name from, uh, because I had always wanted to be called Johnny Uma. Actually, I came up with that name in UPW, but it didn't suit this. So I went with Johnny Mahalo because I was at lunch at L and L Hawaiian barbecue and the trash cans say Mahalo on it. <laughs> and I was just like, there it is. And, uh, and then I named, I named, uh, did, I don't know. I was named, my first gimmick was named after a trash can. <laughs> that's a, that's a barefoot it was it was the dumbest and then my partner was disney whose name was chris disney and i named him kona chris because it sounds hawaiian kona actually means lady or woman <laughs> and so we were the tag team known as surfs up oh, fuck man. yeah Fuck yeah! But but it, there was a huge payoff when oh when I turned on him yes and so that was pretty cool because I had already cut my hair uh, and I was gonna walk out with the new look and uh, my girlfriend at the time was a hairstylist and I don't know where we were and I and we saw a wig and she was like that looks exactly like all the hair you cut off between the first show the second show and the third show they did. Between the second and third show, um, 
because we like started beefing in this battle royal. Like he like almost got me eliminated. Whatever. I just told him right off the bat. I was like, "Yo, I don't want to be partners with this guy. Like I don't. I don't think it's gonna work. Let me be me. I don't want to be a surfer. I don't even know how to swim, and that's a shoot. I was like, I'm I. I was like, I can't be this surfer. I can't keep wrestling barefoot. My toe got broken in the battle royal because someone oh. did a suplex, and the guy taking it is he. I was in the corner taking punches, and I just feel a heel like smash my oh. foot. Oh. So I was like, I can't do this. Can I switch gimmicks? And I came up with how and why. And they were like, Okay, mind you, what wrestler two matches in ever gets to pick and choose what he does? But they trusted me. So um, the commissioner uh, Adam Ginsburg called me out to the ring because I had gotten mad at my partner in that battle royal or whatever. And we'd found this wig. So I put the wig on with a beanie and the full surfs up gear and you know, whatever, some terrible promo, I'm sure. And then I take the wig off and I have a red mohawk underneath. And it was like, but it was crazy. Cause it looked so much like the hair that all those yeah. people had seen. And then later in the night, I helped uh, this guy, Jesse from saw. Um, mm. Do you guys remember Jesse? His name was Je- strings. Yeah. No, you're talking. Yeah. You're talking way before me, man. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's I even remember. before me, Mike. That's way before me. Uh, the saw stuff was like, I don't know, like three, four years before me. But this guy's strings used to wrestle there, and he had long hair, and he had like a rock and roll gimmick. And I was like, why don't you let us be a team? So I was the rock and roll rebel soul Johnny Yuma, and I named him the King of Strings, Jesse, whatever his real last name was. He immediately didn't like it. He's like, but my name's Strings, and I was like, your name's bad. I was like, are you, I was like, are you like sting, but string? Like, what are you supposed to be? So I made him all these logos. Like I did all this work. I designed him new gear so we could be a team that didn't look stupid. Um, I come into the front end. I help him out with my hair and my outfit all changed. And it was really cool and fun. And, um, I don't think we teamed even once. Oh, but your name is bad. (laughs) (laughs) I told that to him, man. And he had been wrestling like 10 years at that point or so, just way longer than me. I'd had two matches and I was like, your name is bad, bro. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that we're only th- two matches into your career so far in this conversation. I've, I've had a very, very long and interesting career. Like, and also, you know, it's, what's interesting for me, too, is I have like a steel trap memory. Mm. Like, so it's like, I, it asked me something. I'm probably going to know it. <laughs> so you can, all right, you'll remember this. I think it was, uh, it was like a two night, uh, PWG event. And I think this is one of the, this was like, uh, I don't know if ring of honor was part of it or if it was just PWG, but this was like not in the regular venue. Um, and it was some special show. And one of the nights, uh, Steen or Owens or whatever you want to call him, uh, packaged you and like over like power bombed you over his head. Uh, into a turnbuckle and you look like you died. And I thought that was the last day I was ever going to see you alive. <laughs> so that was uh, Russell Reunion 2011. I debuted for PWG in October 2010 against Brian Cage in a singles match. And that was kind of one of those things where it's just like, it was like, do you want to do this? Yes or no? Because we have like other people lined up. And I just said yes. Because at the time I was like, I just want to team with Kevin. We'd already been rocking us for a year at that point. But Kevin had already been in PWG on his own. Um, and I was like, I was like, you can't put us together. And Joey was like, look, it's either you or Willie against Brian right now. Like, do you want it or not? And I was like, I've, I've wrestled Brian a hundred times this year already. Please pick me. They chose me. And I'll tell this, this is a fun one. I get to the build. So I was super nervous because PWG was always on a pedestal. But at that time, it was so, so hard to break in. It's gotten that way again, where it's almost, it's impossible to get booked. <clears throat> but, and at the time it was like that also. 
and I was super nervous. And so to handle my nerves, I had like $15 worth of Wiener schnitzel right before the show. Because I wasn't, I wasn't nervous about wrestling Brian. I was like, I could wrestle Brian with my eyes shut at this point. Cause we were married. Rockness was married to Ricker and Brian, uh, natural selection. We wrestled them almost every Friday for like a year. So I was like, I could do this with my eyes shut. We can go hard as hell, whatever. But I was nervous about all the other stuff. I don't know why. I was nervous to meet the other guys that I hadn't met before, like the bigger names, like the Claudios and stuff like that. Um, so I just ate. I was like, I'm just going to eat. And I was like shredded at the time. That was after I'd lost all that weight. And so like my instinct was to go back to food. So I just fucking eat. And my wife, then newish girlfriend at the time, we'd only been together for a few months. She was like, I don't know what you're doing. So we get there. I'm full of wiener schnitzel. I walk in. Uh, someone's like, hey, that's Super Dragon over there. And I was like, oh, okay. I go over and I was like, hey, how you doing? I'm Andrew. Nice to meet you. And he went, okay. <laughs> Bury that shit, Ted. And I, and, I, and I stood there and I was like, you know, hey, I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for having me. And he said, oh, are you ring crew? And, and I was like, oh, I'm Johnny Yuma. You, you booked me today. And he went, oh, okay. The sheets are over there. That was it. He didn't know who I was and he had seen me work. And I know he had seen me work because I'd been trying to get booked like for months. I was sending stuff like all the time. And my, the critique for me was he would always tell Joey like, yeah, he's really good, but he wrestles too American. He wrestles like, like a TV wrestler. Like, that's just not what we do here. He's not bad, but it's just not what we do here. If, unless he can turn it up, you know, I'm not going to use him. And eventually, you know, Joey's like, he can turn it up and whatever. So I wrestled Brian and he was part of the fighting Taylor boys, mm -hmm. Brian cage, Taylor, Chuck Taylor and Ryan Taylor. And after the match, uh, they jumped me and Rocky Romero and Johnny Goodtime make the save to set up a six man at the next show. So I can team with Kevin and we can be rock Ness. match never happened. Second show. We wrestled the Cutler brothers. Awesome match. Super fun. That was at cyanide, a tribute to poison. And then the very next show was this four way tag. The Fighting Taylor boys, Ryan Taylor and Brian Cage Taylor, uh, which, by the way, they just made up so they would have something to do with Brian. Uh, <laughs> uh, against the Cutler brothers, against the Young Bucks and Rockness. It was a four-way tag. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a really dope match for them to put us in so soon. And um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's a semi-main event at Russell Reunion. I was like, excuse me? And they're like, yeah, and the winner is the first team um, – going into DDT this year. And I was like, Oh wow. Tight. And they're like, yeah, you're winning. And I was like, I've had two matches here, dude. So I was super nervous, like right away. And I don't really get nervous with wrestling. I never really did just cause I did like, uh, I was in show choir. Like I already performed in front of my entire school in sequins and jazz hands. Like nothing phased me, but, 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 but this match, I was like, this is going to be a lot and we have to win. So we have to win cool. And that was the first time we ever did the, uh, where he DVDs me. That was the first time we ever did it off the top. Mm. Um, Cause we were like, we have to blow him away today. Like we have That's to. awesome. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And uh, after the match, um, you know, Kevin Steen's going to come out and lay out who lay out the winner. And we were like, Oh, all right. You know, I, it doesn't matter who it is. When someone lays you out, you know, you know, you don't really get to put up much of a fight. You know, you're just going to take something nasty for this, you know, for that moment. It's just how it goes. Um, our match didn't go on until 1245 at night, I think. <laughs> and I, I go to bed at like eight. I was dying. I couldn't believe it. This old timers battle Royal 
went like an hour and a half. It was insane. And it, had, <laughs> it had real legends in it, man. Like Terry Funk, Roddy Piper, uh, Vampiro, S.A. Rios was in it. It was like a ton of like, but it went forever. And I was like, oh my God, we still have to wrestle. I was falling asleep on the floor in the Marriott ballroom. Like I was like, and I still have to wrestle off a four way, you know? So we go out there, we do the, we do the most. And then, um, Steen comes out and before he was like, all right, so I have an idea of what I'm going to do to you guys. Let me run it by you. And we're like, for sure. And he was like, I'm going to package power drive you at the same time. Me and good time. Look at each other. Like, huh? He's like, yeah, you know how you do that thing? Cause I used to ride on Kevin's back and do clotheslines. Like I was like, he was Yoshi and I was Mario. That's kind of was the joke. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, when you're on his back like that, like maybe you end up on his back, but I give you both. And I was, I was like, mm-mm, mm-mm. so I'm, I'm squeezing Kevin like, or, or a good time. I'm like, <laughs> so we try it, we try it. And I'm not going to lie, boys. I just went dead weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went, I went dead weight. I was like, that's a veteran move right, right there. there. I was like, there's no way this isn't going to like just hurt us. Like our heads were even side to side. I was like, there's no way we're not going to just get ruined on this. And he was just like, I, he's like, it doesn't work. And I was like, so you, you preferred what happened to you? No, because <laughs> that's the next part. Nobody explained to me what was the next thing. So I had never seen uh, – so Kevin was like, okay, we'll do this. He's like, I'll package Driver, good time, and then I'll give you the Steenalyzer. Is that okay? And I was like, yeah. I had no idea what Steenalyzer was. Yeah. I just never seen it. Oh, that's – okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I looked – you know, uh, Kevin walks away, and I was just like – and I looked at my Kevin, BHK. I was like, hey. I was like, what's the Steenalyzer? And he was like, um, it's kind of like an exploder into the buckle. And I was like, all day. We do those every Friday at Mach 1. You know, I take soup. I would always take belly to bellies and exploders into the buckle, no problem. And um, and so that's how it was explained to me. And then in the moment, you know, he comes out, he lays us out. I see him package pod drive, good time. And I was like, ooh, that looked scary. And he comes to me and he puts me like a pod driver. And I was like, okay. And he picks me up like a power bomb. And I was like, okay. And then he tucked my head. And on our green trunks, we had the little Loch Ness monster. And all I could see was my logo. I was <laughs> I couldn't see anything but like the, the dick logo on my trunk. And and then I just hear a oh and the clink of the buckles and then I open my eyes and I'm outside the ring on the floor my arm through a guardrail and fans are grabbing my arm like I'm freaking evil can evil and they're checking if I'm okay. I thought you died. I thought you died. Dude, I thought so too, because it was like, it was over like that. So he gives me a steenalyzer. I go in between the top and the middle rope and hit the buckle with my shoulder and go through it to the floor. And, and then I just open my eye. Like I feel the carpet on my back and then I look and like fans were reaching through like, Oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was just like, uh, and then Knox, Rick Knox comes out of nowhere and he's like, are you alive? And I look at him I'm like, I think I'm okay. And he's like, are you sure? And I was like, I think I'm okay. And then good time rolls out. And I, I don't know if he no sold the power driver or what, but I think he got out of the way. The eyes were on Kevin anyways, Steen. 
Um, and he came to check on me and he was just like, Oh my God, dude, are you okay? And I was like, what happened? And he's like, I don't know. I don't know. And fans are still like reaching through, like, are you okay? Are you okay? And, and I was just like, fuck it. Let's pretend I'm dead. I was like, let's milk this shit. And then Knox. And so I was like, I was like, let me sell, let me sell. And Knox said, it's one in the morning. We can't, you have to go. <laughs> it's the main event. The main event was um, Claudio and Generico. So it was like a big ass main event. It was for the PWG heavyweight title. And Knox was like, guys, you have to go. So Kevin picks me up like freaking crisis on infinite earth, like tearing. And I just, I, I felt bad. That was the second time I sandbagged that day. Cause I went heavy. I just pretended I was dead because I, I didn't know if anything was wrong, but I knew the crowd thought I was like hurt really, really, really bad. And I was like, I, I can't let that go. I can't let that die. So I just, I just went limp. Like completely limp, and care, Kevin care, and Steen was in the back, like freaking out, like Jesus, dude, are you okay? <clears throat> I, was like, I think I'm fine. I think I'm fine, and I was completely fine. Like That's I was, crazy. Really, I was really sore or on the side that hit, but there was like not, there was a little bit of bruising, but like nothing was torn, nothing was broken. It was like the scariest thing to not hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, I've never <clears throat> seen this clip before. I got it. I got it. It's, it's I hard to find. I, I had it for a while on Instagram and somebody took it down. I think I know, I know what the Steenalyzer looks like. And it's one of those moves that I look at and I go, Nope, Nope, no, 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 no. But well, that's, Holy geez. That's why, that's why I could remember what it was. I just remembered him throwing you out through the ring and killing you. And I'm like, Oh, that's not what it was. <laughs> so, so, so I was like, it must've been something different off the top rope or, yeah, I mean, like, for me, like I've never seen the move before, so I so I can only imagine how many other people had also never seen that before <laughs> at all. Like if I've never seen it, I'm a damn wrestler studying tape. Surely half the crowd yeah. hadn't seen it, and certainly my now wife hadn't seen it, and she was she thought I was dead. Like she was like she was so upset, and like fans were upset. Like fans were like near tears. When I was walking out, because I, I I waited till the very end to leave, and people were still waiting in the hotel lobby, and I was just like I just had my head down because I was I was still shook up, but I wasn't hurt. Yeah. I knew I was okay, but I was shook, and like fans were like, "Dude, I thought we lost you," and I was like, "Oh shit, how did that look?" <laughs> and so I just waited. I was like waiting for them to put the preview up, the old PWG previews. I was like waiting. I was like, I hope they show it, and they they had it in that clip, and um, and I was just like. Okay, I can see why everyone was scared. <laughs> that was yeah, that was intense, dude. Um, you wait, was there a payoff to you eating all the wiener schnitzel before the match with Cage? No, nothing happened. Like nothing. <laughs> okay, I didn't. Cause... I didn't like pat myself or anything. I just ate a bunch of wiener schnitzel like a stupid risky idiot, and <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. Didn't get me. Here's the reason why, Mike. Ask your question. All right, Yuma. Big question here. Yeah. You ever shit your pants in the ring before? Uh, yeah, a couple times. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like not bad, bad, but but definitely. Yep, yep. yep. Same here. Same here. I asked this question to everyone, and no one has said yes. No, it's important, man. Of course. <laughs> the first time I heard about that was Matt Twisted. Matt Twisted was telling me that he uh, he did a you know a flip dive to the outside, and like he said, as soon as he fucking hit. <laughs> Hit the ground after hitting the guy. He said he just fucking shit, and I was like, <laughs> I was like "That happens." 
I'm not a, I'm not a shitter though. I mean, I have, obviously <laughs> I just told you I have a couple of times. Um, they weren't that memorable though. It was just like me laying there going like, going like, I know I did. Um, <laughs> Something came out. Something came it, out. You know, it's, it's not like it's like a whole bunch, but you just know that there's something there. No, like there's never, there's never a damn log in your underspeedo or anything like that. It's just usually the, it's, and you know what's funny is one of the times um, I thought I was going to, and so I, I, I put in the old dusty muffler. <laughs> and, and it's a good thing I did. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What you must smarten me, smarten me up a little bit. What's a dusty muffler? You've never heard about Dusty Rhodes and his muffler falling out? No, I haven't. You've never heard boys. Oh, so back in the day, the boys used to and still do. Uh, you would kind of just wad up a bunch of toilet paper and basically make like a pad for your asshole. <laughs> and it would it would catch any any you know ones, basically. And, oh. and there's an, there's an old rocket match, I think, where his muffler falls out and the referee grabs it and puts it in his pocket. Oh. <laughs> Noted. Never stop what? learning. Never stop learning what? this business. I probably wrestled with a muffler in at least at least 15, 20 times. Like where I was oh, just man. like, you know what? I'm not feeling good today. I'm not gonna oh. take my gear or any or my opponent. Let me let me pack it. Let me pack it up back there. Oh, my man, man, my man Yuma. Keeps it real. Keeps it real. So Mike, oh, you gonna man, start, that's good stuff, dude. Start packing a muffler now in your matches or what? If I mean you, you don't know, man. If if, if if you know, sometimes you go to that ring and you're like, God damn it, I, I got to go to the bathroom, but I don't have enough time because I'm I, I'm I got to get out there. <laughs> Mike, we'll do it together. Mike, we'll do it together, bro. That's good stuff, man. You guys could pack That's each other's stuff. if you're that worried about it. Hey, sometimes, friend, you need some help. That's it. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, oh, geez. I don't know how to recover from that. I have, I have, I have a question that, for that. Uh, Yuma. I have a question for him. What's up? So, recently, Ryan Kidd posted a, a picture of uh, you and him. Uh, I think Kidd was wearing, like, some Hello Kitty tights. Uh, yeah. Uh, you were rocking, uh, you know, Johnny Yuma, the, the the rocker. What year was that? What was going on? That was at SoCal Pro, right? Yeah, that would have been 2011. Um, uh, Eddie Randall had gotten hurt. So actually, no, it may have been 2012. Yeah, I think it was 20, early 2012. Eddie Randall had a hurt shoulder. And um, uh, here and there, I would be doing single stuff, not necessarily always doing rockness. Um and uh, so they, they had me team with Kid, and so I just borrowed my wife's Hello Kitty sweater uh, so we would match a little bit. <laughs> and uh, and it's, that picture's so funny because Randall, Eddie Randall's laughing at us <laughs> with his freaking arm in a sling. He <laughs> <laughs> his shoulder on a suicide dive. And so, yeah, they just needed me to fill in. I don't think Jeff even had me on that show. I think it was more like, well, like <clears throat> I had been training with Kid and all them at the time, and he's just like, well, just throw Yuma in there. Uh, to fill the spot. I don't remember who we wrestled, but I'm sure it stunk. And then uh, <laughs> another question I had is, uh, you know, you, you, you spent a lot of time at SoCal Pro, and you were, you actually were gone before, because I, I started there in 2015. <laughs> and so you, you went there when I was there. But as far as, um, you know, you kind of moving up and getting other bookings and kind of, you know, getting out there, branching out to other promotions – 
uh, this is just for me. Just I'm trying to learn right now. Can you give me a little bit of advice uh, as far as like, you know, how you how you get out there and how you do that? You know what I mean? Like smart me up is what I'm trying to say. I mean, one, I know not be a shit wrestler, Devin. I know that. Hey, that don't matter. That don't matter. It doesn't matter if you're, honestly, it does not matter if you're a shit wrestler anymore. Um, and I don't know if it ever ever did. Um, mm-hmm. If if the people want to see what you're doing, whatever it may be, I mean, they're gonna you're gonna get an opportunity. You know, nowadays it's crazy. Guys will. Uh, I was just talking to my buddy uh, Brody King about this the other day. He was saying guys will literally get booked for one move that a promoter saw in a dip, like, Hey, I want you to do that out there tonight. Like, that's it. Just go do your thing. And Brody explained it as being like, you know, Hey, that stand up comedian has that really, those really good couple zingers. And we just hope the rest of his sets not terrible. That's how he put it. And it, and that's right. So it's not even about, you know, necessarily being good. Ideally we should be good. <laughs> um, but Why'd you look at me like that? That was fucked up. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but uh, no, you know, it's just, it's it's getting that no. It's so dumb. But, like, I was a musician um, before, and, like, you know, you just get told no all the time. And you have to just keep eating those no's. Email, you know, update what footage you're sending. Like, for me, I had a really hard time because, like, I would have my, like, you know, be so into one match and that's the match I'm going to send, but you can't really send it that for that long because then it's, well, shoot, this guy hasn't had a good match since like last July. That's not a good sign. So make sure you're always updating what you're sending. Quality is key. Keep it short, you know, show that you can, you know, be entertaining in six minutes. You know, if it takes you 15 minutes to tell a good story, then they're certainly not going to give you a shot. Because you're probably going to get a chance in the opening match and you're probably only going to get given six to eight. So you need to know that you can hit all your A plus stuff. And I don't mean get all your shit in, although nowadays I do mean that. And that's something I suffer from is no longer doing that. I used to do that. I put up highlights of me versus Peter uh, in a singles match at PWG. I put those up the other day and everyone's like, oh, where's that Yuma? I was like, oh, where is that Yuma? I just stopped putting, making sure I got all my shit in and it was probably a mistake because that's where we're at nowadays with wrestling. You know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's subjective, but you know, doing a lot of cool stuff is what is cool right now or a really cool, unique character. You know, you look at all these guys like, like Warhorse and Dan Housen, like they're, they're something, you know, you don't look at them and say wrestler. Didn't you just smoke one of them in a promo thing, Devin? Both, Both of them. Both of them. <laughs> Both of them. Then we have Devin. He's the shits. But yeah. thank the you. Shit. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, and for, like you know, I've been a lot of places. I've done a lot of things, and it all came from persistence. It's corny. If you ask your next guest, they're probably going to say the same thing. There's no magic trick. There's no you know. There's a couple ways to word things that I have learned firsthand. Work better you know your verbiage is really key the way you talk to somebody is important you know words like spot nobody wants to hear that spot what is a spot like a stain on the carpet or an opportunity you know you got to choose your words when you're reaching out to promoters especially if they themselves are very serious professional business people you don't find a lot of that in wrestling 
but the places you want to work are going to be the places that respond to professional language. So that's always something you want to do. So it's, you know, use professional language, uh, be persistent, um, you know, and, and make sure that your, your footage looks good and you're not putting anything out there that doesn't look like a plus like me, like I'll think something's hot, post it. And then I'll see it get four likes. And I'm like, Oh, that must be shitty. Cause it has a bunch of views, but only four likes. Let me get rid of that. You know, you don't want to leave too much stink where people can see it, you know, cause it might seem really cool in that moment. Or you might think that looked really good, but then maybe someone on Monday night raw did it 10 times better. You know, you never want to look lesser and you never want to remind other people or somebody else. You don't want to make the fans think of somebody else. You know, even when it's a compliment, you still want them to be thinking about you. That's just something that, uh, I don't remember who taught me that, but they were like, you know, don't remind someone of another wrestler because now they're thinking about that other wrestler. Those are just the things that have really stuck with me. And, you know, I think I've done an okay job applying that advice. And you know, I'm always happy to pass it on because, hmm. you know, what worked for me should work for any uh, any other wrestler ever, honestly. I will, uh, Yuma, I'm, I'm going to back you up on this because we, we rode a couple times up to the championship together. And you, what you just said about, you know, that six minute match of kind of get your stuff in and, and have it ready to go because a promoter doesn't want to watch 15 minute, 20 minute match with entrances. Uh, if you send them that video, they want six minutes of what you can do because they got stuff to do. They got a life. And uh, I, I, I remember you telling me that. And when I had the opportunities to to do that, uh, a, a video of a six minute match that I can I can if there was ever that opportunity, I was like, I'm going to take it. And it's something now that I pass on to the younger wrestlers that I'm helping out. And it's funny because a lot of them don't get it. And, you know, I'll, I'll see that they're ready. They're ready to start branching out, going somewhere else, you know, you know, spreading their wings. And I'll look on YouTube and be like, yeah, you only have 15 minute matches, 20 minutes, 20 minute matches on YouTube. I'm like, if you ever get an opportunity say like at a school show or something like that where you have a lot of control because there's no time limits at those school shows. If you have an opportunity to go six minutes, get six minutes in. And it's hard for them to understand that to, uh, because it's like, this is what the promoters, you want that, that six minute match to send to a promoter so you can go somewhere else, you know, get your stuff in, look good, six minutes, boom, out the door. And it's really, it's interesting how many guys don't understand that. And they still, when they got that opportunity to, to do a six minute match, they still don't take it. Yeah. Well, and like you said, that, that six minute match is about having, that's about having a match somewhere else, especially in the context of a school setting. You can control that. You can test yourself. Can I have a good match and tell a good story with ups and downs and exciting action? Can I do that in six minutes? You know, it's a good chance to test yourself. And again, I was the head booker for championship wrestling from Hollywood for three and a half, almost four years. I can't tell you how many guys sent me their marathon main events and I just didn't have time to watch it. I don't, no one does, you know, especially if you're in the wrestling business, cause nine times out of 10, that's not your only job. So I would get, you know, I would get at least 20 emails a day and sometimes the matches would, and I would prefer the music video, honestly. Because I'd be like, okay, at least this is two and a half minutes of their very best. 
Is their in-between going to be terrible? Who knows? You know, if I take a chance, maybe I'll find out. Do they live close? You know, a lot of things went into into my process. But, man, you send me your best match you've ever had, and it's, you know, 12, 15 minutes. I don't have time for that. And I also don't have any context, so I don't know where to skip to to maybe see the good parts. So it's just important to know how to have short matches that are good. And honestly, for me, my favorite wrestling, my favorite years as a fan – I went back when I started booking the TV show or before I started booking the TV show, I started studying the times. I started timing matches on my phone. Guys on Raw, my favorite wrestlers, would wrestle for like three and a half minutes, guys. There would be like two four-minute matches in one chunk between commercials. And, and then guys get mad when they've only got eight. I'm like, bro, I gave you eight. You know how much time that is? Like, for example, when I did TNA uh, against Kenny King, they were like, you guys have eight minutes. And I was like, whoa, that's perfect. We could take our time. They won't, you know, I won't get yelled at for rushing, you know. Um, we get to the curtain and they're like, all right, Kenny's about to go out. You guys have six. And I was like, okay, okay, we, we can do that. I've had previous <clears throat> matches. Um, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that. And then Kenny's music starts playing and they're like, go, Kenny. Hey, you guys have four now. And I was like, four? And I was panicking. Like my heart was beating so fast because I was like, I was like, we can do it, but we're gonna be going a mile a minute and it's it's not gonna be good. Like in my head, I was like, we can cut a few things, but we're still gonna have to go like light speed. And then my music hit, and they're like, All right, you guys are back to full weight, get out there. And I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> but you know, at, that was 2012. And at that point, I had been on Hollywood for two years and I had learned how to have a six minute match and I had learned how to have a six minute mat or I'd learned how to have an eight minute match that turned into a five minute match because we took too long on our entrances. You know, that bell finally rings and the ref goes five to home five. I didn't realize I wasted that much time, you know, and I'm, I'm glad that kind of, I'm glad those situations arose because you learn from them. And then, you know, it gives you more tools in your arsenal later down the line. You know, in my head, I went from thinking I had eight minutes to six to four and I was prepared for each, you know, I was blessed to get that full eight. And when, when I was, you know, selling to the back, Earl Hebner had his arm around me. You hit your time. Perfect kid. You guys nailed it. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Having Earl Hebner ref my match was already super cool. But for him to tell me that I hit my time perfectly, like I was like, that's, I can hang my hat on this. And, and we did. I, I looked up the match the other day to clip it into some highlights. It was eight minutes and three seconds. And that's at three seconds was, I think Mike Tanay going like, all right, we got a qualifier. So, I mean, I was really proud of that. And that's something that's important. And I like watching short matches and I like being in short matches. And I think that's something that people wrestlers need to learn to love. You need to learn to love that kind of match, you know, and the best way to do that is to go, go search them, you know, go watch uh, you know, a Sunday night heat or a shotgun Saturday night, you know, where they, they didn't, they had an hour, but they had to recap raw, which is a thousand times more important. So you may have four minutes. You got to just go study those matches and learn how fun and exciting they can be. And then just learn how to pace yourself. So you're not gassed going hundred miles per hour for four minutes straight instead of 50 miles per hour for eight, you know, those short matches are, are key, man. It's uh, it's funny, Yuma, that you brought up uh, Earl Hebner because I was out um, in North Carolina for Wrestle Wrestlecade, 
and I was uh, wrestling Mick Drake and Brian Hebner was our ref. And prior to the match, Earl showed up with Brian and I'm hanging out with D'Lo and we're going over the match and I'm like, D'Lo, Brian takes a bump. Earl runs out for the three count. You know, I'm totally shit. I'm, I'm throwing bullshit against the wall. But anyways, Earl ended up watching the match. And when I got to the back, he was like, good selling. And it's funny things, little stuff like that. You're like, yeah. Dude, it's, yeah. it's just, it's that pat on the back, you know, for a job well done. You know, you have a lot lot of jobs out there, you know, hitting your time, being safe, being entertaining. And, and, you know, all of those jobs are important. So when you get that pat on the back for even one of them, it's like, okay, cool. And if you don't get the pat on the back for the others, at least, you now know, well, shoot, he didn't tell me my match was good. (laughs) He just told me. (laughs) So that, and you know, I like, yeah, I'm with you, man. Those little, those little things. I have a funny Brian Hebner story. Go for it. So I was on Impact on a Thursday, and they're like, "We want to keep you for the pay per view on Sunday." And I was like, "Well, fuck yeah, I want to be on Destination X, like duh." <laughs> and so they're like, "All right, you're gonna be in a four way with uh, all the other people that lost their qualifiers." So it was me, Scorpio Sky, uh, Jigsaw, and um, Dakota Darso, Repo Man's son, and whatever. We have this four way. And we're, it was on pay-per-view. And so we're having this four-way, whatever. And there was this big spot at the end um, to lead to me and Sky bringing it home because uh, we had told D'Lo, D'Lo was our agent, and we had told D'Lo, um, you know, hey, we worked together a lot. We did this finish at Hollywood, and it was nasty. You got to let us do it. And he was like, tell me about it. So we walked him through it, and we, like, kind of half did it, like, 80, you know, like 75% <clears throat> did it. And he was like, that has to be the finish. And we were like, fuck yeah, we get to bring it home together, me and you. Uh, so we're going, match is going. It's not good. Uh, there's a couple, <laughs> a couple of things that went really right, and then, like, a couple of my parts went really wrong. Like, I was supposed to do – I always do – I've done a cactus clothesline my whole career. Um, and we're, that was supposed to get me and Dakota to the floor to catch a dive, whatever. Uh, Hector Guerrero uh, was also our agent, and he kind of stepped in, and he was like, "No, don't don't do the clothesline. Spear him through the middle." And I was like, "I was like, I've never done that before. Like, I don't do a spear. Like, I don't even know what to do." And he's like, oh, "It'll be fine." And I and then he was like, "Dakota, are you okay with that?" And he said, "Yeah." So I run to spear Dakota through the middle because I did what I was told, and Dakota didn't even budge. Like I literally went. Here's him at the ropes. I went. And then we both just fucking roll out under the bottom and the crowd and you fuck up because it was one of those things where like you expected to go that way and it just didn't. And so I'm like, great. And I was like, I was, we we're on the ground and, um, and I'm getting up and he's not. And I was like, dude, get the fuck up. We have to catch a dive. And literally the second I look up, Jigsaw's in the air. And he barely gets up in time. We we caught him nice and safe, but I was like, oh my God. I was like, this this sucks. Like, this is my pay-per-view debut. Um, and like I got dumped on my head on something like pretty <clears> early <throat> on. Um, whatever. We we powder them out for the go home. And I'm picking up Sky for this hot sequence we're about to do. And Brian says, Hey, grab a hold. You have four minutes left. 
high selling. And I was like, I was, and I just looked at Brian and I told him, I was like, I can't. And he went, he went, and he just went, they're telling me to grab a hole. You got to grab a hole, kid. And I was like, I, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. <laughs> and in hindsight, there were things I could have done to fill that time. And even as I started picking Sky up, I was like, oh, shit, I could have done this. But the difference was the two guys on the floor had no idea what was about to happen except the end of the match. So if I call this audible, I somehow need to get it to the two guys on the floor. And I was just like, I was like, I can't. So we just brought it home hot and I got fucking ripped. I got chewed in the back. Brian, Brian Hebner lit me up. Uh, and, and, you know, he wasn't wrong. He was doing his job and I just told his job. No, (laughs) (laughs) And, and you know, and I'm still, I'm not mad about that decision. Like, of course I didn't want to get yelled at my biggest opportunity ever, but at the same time, it would have hurt the match so bad to slow it down right there. It would have killed it. It, it really would have hurt the match if I would have grabbed a hold after all this exciting stuff. Two guys left in the ring. I go for my finisher. He reverses it, hits half of his, hits the rest. Of it. Like it would have, it would have ruined the match. And so I'm still okay with that. You know, I didn't, I didn't like getting yelled at. I didn't like not getting booked again for over a year. <laughs> um, but later, D'Lo came up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, you know." four minutes on pay-per-view is not a big, it's not a big deal. Don't sweat it. I know you got yelled at, but don't sweat it. Uh, you gave Aries and rude four more minutes. You know, you gave the main event more time. So, so good. Uh, and I was like, okay, cool. He's like, but if this was impact on Thursday, you know how hard it is to fill four minutes with replays. And I was just like, Oh, I get it. I get why I got yelled at in that moment. It didn't really matter. It didn't hurt the card. If anything, it helped the card. But had that been a couple of days prior on Impact, and I left that much time, I was like, "All right, I get it." But luckily, D'Lo was like super cool about it. You know, I could definitely see why Brian was not cool about it. You know, I'm some punk kid a couple of years in the business telling him no in the middle of the review, <laughs> and, and I'm watching so- it back, and you can't even see me really telling him no. But I remember just saying, "No, I can't." <laughs> He took off the blonde wig and had the red mohawk underneath. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us, tell us this, dude. You you buried part of the story. This is your pay per view debut. What's going on in your head, you, dude? What's going on in your head building up to that day, the day of going into the match? Well, so I found out about TNA. I almost missed my opportunity. I tried out for TNA with um, Good Time and Duke. We drove up to Bakersfield. And uh, we did a, a TNA gut check, and um, you know Duke didn't get didn't get partnered up with the best people, so he didn't really get a chance to shine. And then um, we had they had like all of us they they let the baby faces pick the heels. Oh no, they let the heels pick the babies. Um, and I was like, oh no. And I don't know if you guys know Damon Divine. Um, he picked me. And I was, I looked at Kevin good time and he was just like, uh, good luck. And <laughs> so they're like, you, they told us you have four minutes to call a four minute match. And I was like, and I went over to Damon and he, we, you know, we were all hanging out all day, the whole crew. And this was like, his like, he said it was his third gut check. And I was like, damn, that's a lot of times to pay to try out. 
because uh, I got paid. I got smartened up that they might need people in the summer, and um, and it was a good idea. Like it'll it'll be worth it if you get picked. It'll definitely be worth it. So whatever. Uh, me and Damon have this four minute match, and I put my foot down. I just I just told him what we were gonna do and how we were gonna do it. I didn't I didn't ask him. I told him. And after the after the whole thing, uh, good times match was trash. Uh, he was really upset. Um, and, uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to talk to each of you, uh, Johnny Yuma, come here. And I was like, oh man, he's talking to me first. And he was like, head and shoulders stand out. He's like, you stood out above everybody today by so much. And he said, he was just like, you know, I've seen Damon at eight tryouts. And I was like, eight. And he said, and that was the first good match he's had at a single one of these. And he's like, and he was like, you're going to be getting a call. And I was like, fuck yeah. So we stay, <laughs> we go to Golden Corral, uh, and then we go back and we watch the TNA show. And a funny thing about that quick one is some lady was so excited to see a, T- a certain TNA wrestler that she actually fainted and had to be, like, ambulanced out. This lady shaking the guardrail, losing her mind for the Pope, D'Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I get it. <laughs> the biggest Pope fan. She lost her mind. It was crazy. So we watched the show, whatever. We had a good time. It was a really fun experience. And uh, me and Kevin are in Japan. And my phone was like not working at all. This was in June, <clears throat> like three months after the tryout. And um, eventually we got to, once we got to Osaka, I was able to post on Facebook. And I said, you know, Tokyo was a blast. We love DDT. Uh, just made it safe to Osaka. And L- Dave Lagana the head of the NWA and at the time head writer of TNA uh, replied to it and said, no wonder we can't get a hold of you. And so I was just like, what? I start freaking out in the airport and good times. Like, what is wrong with you? And I showed him and he was like, I messaged Lagana. He said, Al Snow's been trying to call you for a week. And I was like, I'm in Japan. I'm sorry. I'm in Japan. I'm not ignoring you guys. He said, okay, well, the second you get back, give Al a call. So, you know, I talked to Al, whatever, and, um, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, we want to do this with you, and we want to keep you for the pay-per-view uh, for, you know, you're not going to qualify, but you'll be in the last chance one, and day of, we'll figure out which one of you four moves on to the Ultimate X match, or moves on in the tournament, and I was like, absolutely, yes, 100% yes, um, and then I was like, what am I going to wear? That was the first thing I said on the phone to him, was what am I going to wear? Like, get ready for a day. What am I going to wear? And he was like, I'm going to find out if we can use your name. Uh, he's like, do you own your name? And I said, no, I definitely don't. I stole it from the song. Um, and he said, okay, let me figure it out. Next day he emails me. So I got back from Japan on mm, the 26th of June. And I was going to be on TNA the following Thursday. So this was all happening really fast. Um, and so he's like, send me a bunch of names and we'll pick one and we'll let you know as soon as we can. I was like, please let me know so I can get an outfit made. Cause I, I was like, I'm going to make my own gear. Fuck it. I don't have time. I have to make it myself. So I sent him a bunch of names, uh, and they didn't like any of them. So they combined two of them. And that's how the name Lars only came about. Uh, and in that moment I was like, are these guys fucking with me? <laughs> I was like, because I, what I had done is I had just taken a bunch of musician names that I liked and combined them with like other names. Um, like I had like 
like a Travis Barker kind of one in there. My favorite one that was at the top of the list and I put like stars next to it was uh, <laughs> I wanted to be Sick Jagger. And, <laughs> and, they were, and they were just like, oh, like Sick? That's not, that's like nobody's name, dude. Um, <laughs> so uh, they ended up picking Lars only. I forget what they were paired with. I think it was Andy only and Lars something. Uh, whatever, they went with Lars only. So I run out to freaking sports chalet in mission valley and i buy uh, a couple pairs of uh, girls volleyball shorts and i get home and i just start, I just start sewing i just start patching them up and putting the name only on them and um so this weird dude that used to uh buy boys uh, buy the boys stuff he bought ryan <laughs> kid boots um, he hit me up one yeah, time. We, all, we all know him uh, <laughs> my boots. He honestly, he was always good to me. You know, he was a little weird in his approach, but he took care of me. Um, he found out. Uh, he just happened to message me like, "Oh, what are you up to?" And I was like, "Well, I'm actually debuting for TNA. I'm not allowed to say anything." He said, "What are you flying?" And I was like, "Oh, blah blah blah." And he's like, "He's like, give me your code." And then I get an email. He bumped this dude bumped me into first class because he worked for Delta. So I'm Damn. flying first class to Damn. my impact debut. And I was like, "Let's fucking go. It's gonna be sick." And then. Uh, when I was at the, uh, the day before or the morning I was going to leave. Um, oh, it was 4th of July. We were at the fair. I was supposed to wrestle at the fair, but I pulled off last minute, um, because I had to leave at night and I didn't want to be hurt for TNA by wrestling at the Del Mar fair against like the bone or some shit. Uh, Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> uh, and Jeff, by the way, Jeff was pissed. Like, I was like, dude, are you seriously mad at me for pulling off the Del Mar Fair show so I can make my <laughs> dreams come true, bro? Like, he was mad. Like, it got back to me that he was super mad about it. And I was like, whatever, dude, fuck that. Um, and so uh, I realized, I was like, wait, how am I going to get from the airport to the hotel? And then I found out that they were not taking care of my ground travel or my hotel. <laughs> they were flying me there and flying me home. That was all they agreed to do, and I had not paid close enough attention to that. So whatever, I'm flying first class, still feeling good. I left all my money at home like a dumbass. <laughs> I I had cash set aside for this trip, and I completely forgot it. Luckily, I had my debit card, uh, and my wife had to go put that cash in the bank. It, it was a mess, and I get there, and I had to take the city bus from the airport <laughs> In my dress clothes, with my gear bag, and it took over an hour on the city bus to get to Universal Studios. I get to Universal Studios. It only drops us off in one spot. And I walk up, and I'm like, wow, I've never been to Universal Studios before. This place is really cool. And I and I find a security guard. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here to perform, blah, blah, blah. And then he was just like, I believe you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and he's like, hop on my cart. The the um the sound stages are like all the they're they're like a mile away bro and i was like oh he's like but i can get you there because i can cut through these back ways and i was like no problem the second i sit on his cart he gets a call over the radio and he says you get you have to get off i have to go stop a shoplifter and i was like what he's like you have to get off dude you have to go so i get off and i map that shit on my phone and it was an hour and 15 minute walk damn and I was like, how big is this freaking property? Because I couldn't cut through. I had to go all the way around. And this is the middle of summer, so it's humid. Uh, it is the 5th of July. <laughs> 100% humidity. It was 101 degrees. 
I'm in my dress clothes with my rolling <laughs> bag and my backpack, and I walk over an hour to the soundstage, and I finally find it, and nobody's there. There was one other like jabroni there, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, this is this is TNA, right? And he was like, oh yeah, hey, nice to meet you, whatever. Like an hour later, the boys start showing up. The call time they gave me. I was on time, by the way. I was still on time, even on foot. I still made it on time because I'm never late. And uh, I'm all sweaty and disgusting. And then I'm just seeing these guys show up in their gym shorts. And I was like, uh, fuck. <laughs> I was like, I'm way overdressed. I wasn't like just super nice, but still. And so I was like, oh, great. Uh, fast forward like an hour or two. And they're like, hey, they want you guys to do some dark matches in front of Dixie and all the agents. And I was like, I got to wrestle twice today. I was not ready for that. So whatever, I get geared up. And they, um, Simon Diamond goes around and puts us together. And he was like, uh, I'm going to put you with uh, Flip Gordon from Ohio. And I was like, oh, tight. I've seen Flip. You know, cool. This will be fun. And they're like, uh, we want you, Johnny, you want to be the baby face. Flip, you be the heel. Uh, you guys have about five ten. Put them together. So whatever. I was like, all right, bro. Let's do this, this, this. And then Flip goes, hold on, man. I don't know how to be a heel. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I was like, nah, come on, dog. And he was just like, no, I don't know how to be a heel, dude. He's like, all I do is flips. Literally, all I know how to do is flip and do high spots. And I was like, are you serious? And I was like, and at that point, uh, Pat or Simon or whatever had already gone up to the bleachers. So like, I couldn't like wave him down and be like, ooh, can you change our shit? <laughs> and so in one of the stupidest decisions I've ever made, because this flip was like kind of like panicking, I was like, We'll switch it. I'll be the heel. Shouldn't have done that. Uh, did the exact opposite of what we were told to do. Um, they didn't ask what our preference was. They told us what they wanted to see. So I was like, all right, I'm the heel, but they wanted me to be the face. So I was like, so maybe I'll just do some really cool moves. What should a heel never do? Cool really moves. Cool moves. So me and Flip, we're going, and it is not good. It is bad. It is bad. And... I had gotten to the point where I let it get to me that it was bad and I'm getting pissed off at him. And it wasn't bad. Like everything's falling apart. It's just like, he was supposed to do a sunset and I was going to do my hand slap, turn around, hit him with the cheeks. And he just, yanked <laughs> me he yanks me on the sunset and like pulls me all the way into a pin. So I couldn't even do my cool cutoff. And so I kick out of it and I just get mad and just kick him and I'm getting mad. And now I'm getting oh, shooting. I, I was pissed. I'm like, I knew <laughs> never do that you know i've uh, probably i've probably let it get real less than three times in 12 years um but this was one of them and it was in front of dixie carter d'lo brown al snow simon diamond and i want to say abyss and like bubba dudley like just just the scariest panel of judges dang and i'm just beating the guy up because i'm mad um and we do some stuff again nothing was clicking we had zero chemistry and you know i let my attitude get in the way of it but i hit two of my most unique moves and so as i'm walking to the back they just kind of give us a little clap and a thank you i'm walking to the back christopher daniels was watching and he kind of knew who i was because i was from upw and we know a lot of the same people and he said hey that was really he's like that wasn't good but this, this was, and this was, he's like, you have to hit those on impact tonight. You got to hit that little driver you do. And you got to hit that stunner. I've never seen either of those 
you have to do them. And I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then I get to the back and Al Snow's just shaking his head at me. And I was like, that can't be good. And he said, I hope tonight's better. So whatever. They ended up putting me with Kenny King. I knew Kenny um, a little bit. Um, and, you know, we, we did our match. We had one major flub up. And Taz buried it live. Uh, I went to do my leg sweep stunner, my my original creation called the Otter Drop, and um, we go to do it, and his leg just doesn't go anywhere, and we just crumble into this stupid looking nothing. And Taz, went, well, that sucked. <laughs> I can't tell you how many when I got to the back, dude. My phone was so blown up with people going, "Hey, fuck Taz, he just buried you." Because like people who had seen the move, like fans of mine and like friends, they knew it went wrong. They knew that like it just didn't work. But so whatever, and um, and then Al Snow was like, "That was excellent." He's like, "You did great. You did great." He's like, "But if you ever do what you did in the afternoon, no one's ever going to give you a job." And I was like, ah, fuck. I was like, I'm really fucking this up. I was like, I just had like a great match, but I botched. Earlier in the day, I got into a fight almost. Like, I was like, man, I'm, I'm blowing this. And then I was like, oh, I don't have a hotel to go to. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, this, this sucks. So luckily, Dakota... Um, gave me a ride to the hotel and so I just get this cheap room but I had to be there for three days <laughs> till Sunday uh, you know and so like I was like okay and once I got to the room and calmed down about like the mistakes I was like and my phone was blowing up and like people were tweeting like holy shit Johnny Yuma just debuted on Impact I was like nothing's getting better than this Fuck it. I had a whole I had a large uh, Papa John's pizza in my lap I was just eating <laughs> watching TBS in the hotel room. I didn't leave the room legit for three days. It was so hot out. I had no money. I had no way to get anywhere because Uber wasn't like a thing yet. So I just stayed in a room from Thursday night until Sunday morning. Like I didn't go outside not once. Uh, <laughs> Sky showed up. He got Kazarian to pick us up and we go, whatever. We do the pay-per-view. We have the match and everything. And I get yelled at, and it's so. I mean, it was it was quite the experience. And after me and Sky's flights weren't until Monday morning, and we didn't have a hotel room anymore, and I was out of money, and I'm pretty sure he was, and he was out of money too. And we we're like, what the fuck are we gonna do? So we just start <laughs> walking. We're literally wandering around that back lot, not knowing what to do or where to go. We're just walking with our rolly bags. Sky had three matches. He had the four way. Then he got the shit beat out of him by Kid Cash, and he did an Ultimate X match. Hmm. All in one night, and he found out all about that the same time I found out about it. Like, he had no way to, like, pump up for this. They picked the winner of our four-way right before they had us put it together. So it was, like, super stressed. This guy's dead. I'm dead and embarrassed because I got yelled at. Like, we're just rolling on our bags. And then we but, but something clicked, and we're like, dude, we killed it. Like, we did really good. <laughs> We did really good. Eventually, we ended, up, we ended up at the oh, hotel for the boys, the, the one that the TNA guys stay at. Uh, a production guy gave us a ride. He's like, I can't have my X division walk around like homeless people. <laughs> he, so he dropped us off at the hotel, assuming we had rooms. Uh, we go eat. <laughs> we, we ate at the little restaurant in the parking lot. We ate with Kid Cash. He's the fucking man. He was so so cool and smart and helpful. Um, he, he got mad at me and Sky because me and Sky got chicken tenders and cheese fries instead of steak, and he like chewed us out. 
But I can't tell you guys, the plate was this big of chicken tenders, like probably like maybe 12 or 14 tenders, and it was like $3.99. I was like, I was like, I'm not getting a fucking $18 steak that's probably not good. I was like, I'm getting a deal. Uh, we, ended up, we ended up in the hotel lobby with Jigsaw and like all the other guys. None of them had a room. None of us in the tournament had a room. Um, and so we're like, hey, let's see what people said about us on Twitter. And that was the saddest like half hour ever all of us were just like upset because we were just getting buried on twitter so hard like straight up it just said johnny uma looks like shit and, <laughs> and i hope someone breaks johnny uma's neck and the best one was johnny uma looks like somebody's little brother that still thinks wrestling is real and i was just like and we were vanity searching. We weren't tagged in this shit. These people were just like, they were just saying it. They didn't know we'd ever see it. And like, they were making fun of Jigsaw and stuff, but he killed it. So it was like, I was like, I was like, bro, yours aren't even that bad. But like me and Skies were harsh. It, it was, it was rough, but man, like I'll, that experience is something I'll never forget. Every bit of it. We ended up staying in Hector Guerrero's room. Um, he said, he told us a bunch of stories. He was super cool. He was telling us about Lasertron and like all the cool shit he had done. And, you know, he, he said, don't make, you know, don't make, make a sound. Like, he's like, whatever you do though, guys, don't wake me up. And I was like, Oh, uh, can we have the TV on? And he said, yeah, but you have to have the sound off. And we we're like, <laughs> okay. So me and sky, we had to take the four thirty shuttle. Right. And it's like it's probably like 12 at this point. And sky's my vet. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna let him sleep in the chair and I'm just going to sit on the floor. And I was like, uh, and our phones were dead, like whatever. It was just the worst situation. And we had to be up at four thirty, and so I was like, I'm just gonna stay awake. So I just started like picking my fingernails, just everything I could do quietly to stay awake. Eventually, I found a pen cap and I started messing with my ear uh, just to keep me awake. I ended up getting a terrible ear infection, <laughs> <laughs> but we got on that shuttle at four thirty a.m. and we made it home. That's sweet, Yuma. Yeah, I think we gotta start taking this home, man. We've already been going about an hour and a half, man. We're going, uh, we're going long. I know. I feel bad. I didn't even realize. I just, I got a million, a million stories. Oh, dude, it's all good. We're gonna have to probably yeah. do a part two with you at some point. Um, let me ask I, you. I believe let me, so too. Let me ask you th- three rapid fire questions before <laughs> before we let you go. Um, I, I'm a dad of a little one. You're a dad of a little one. Uh, we had a, a text conversation over uh, the best songs in Frozen, so I'm gonna I'm gonna let you choose right now between Frozen One and Frozen Two. What is the official best uh, song in Frozen? We, Yuma, we we got to make this quick too because I'm about, I'm about to die. Oh, I'm I'm gonna say Frozen. I'm gonna go Frozen Two because I lost in the woods. Okay, all right, that's good. And then uh, keep one, lose one forever. Uh, pro wrestling or Star Wars? Pro wrestling. Which one you keeping or are you losing forever? Uh, see a pro wrestling. I need my Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. One more question, Yuma. One more question. Yeah. Out of all the the movies, I'm not talking about the TV shows. Star Wars movies, best one. You got to pick one. Go. Episode four, A New Hope. I disagree. Rogue One on this one, but all right. Love Rogue One. It's good stuff. Hey, you watch them back to back. It's amazing. Revenge of the Sith is gonna be up there for me. It probably shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> All right. Man. Hey, uh, you know uh, Thanks for so- Hunter. Shut up. 
Uh, I want to <laughs> tell, so tell Yuma, for... thank you for uh, coming on tonight. Fuck you. Oh, yeah, thank no, man. Thank, thank you guys for having me, man. Thanks, you man. know, it's fun to Hunter's chat with you take. guys because we're all from the same, the same, you know, the same area, the same companies, but very, very, very different in, in a lot of ways. So I, it's fun to chat with you guys about it and to blab about my old timer stories and my travels on the road and all that crap. It's just, it's fun to share. Uh, it's fun to be heard and it's, it's just fun to chat, you know, with guys that I know have been through so much of the same stuff as me. Uh, Mike, I know you're trying to, I know, I know you're trying to end this. Is there anything you want to plug? Do you have a pro wrestling tea store you want to plug? Uh, something uh, for uh, rock. Yeah, I'll, I'll plug the pro wrestling com slash rockness. R O C K N E S. All my social media is private right now. So I'm not really plugging it. That's from a, a lawsuit. That's completely unrelated to wrestling or anything like that. Um, so I've just, you know, they've just encouraged me to have it all private, which really sucks, especially during quarantine. I can't share anything with anybody and really make any kind of headway during this time down. But, uh, you know, ideally it'll be, you know, it'll pay off in the end. So it's a little frustrating, but always check out ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rockness. We have some amazing shirts on there. Uh, our 10th anniversary shirt is available on there. Rockness been going strong for over 10 years straight now, and uh, we're not slowing down anytime soon. Excellent, man. I appreciate it. And thank you again. We're going to have you on again because you got too many stories. And I actually, I have so much more to, to, to bring up, but. We just ain't got the time right now, dog. As soon as you guys want me back, I'll be back, man. I'm stuck in the house. We're not doing nothing. <laughs> All right. Excellent, brother. Thanks for having me. All right. Me. Thank you. Uh, okay. We got to bring this home. Uh, catch us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Thank you to Ten Barrel Brewing, Pub Beer, Cheap Fun Beer. Go get you some. Uh, HogsmanPod.com, at HogsmanPod on Instagram and Twitter. Devin, anything else? That's it, dude. I'm done. May the fourth Ted. be with you. Anything else, Ted? You got it, Ted man. At, at Hogsman Pod. Twitter, Instagram, videos on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, check us out. You hit it all, Mike. Good job. Excellent. Devin, uh, if they want the tip, what do they got to do? You got to take the whole hog. Excellent. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Adios.